There's a time and a place for black and white, like when you're learning to play piano, or when you want a big two-toned cookie, or when shopping for a pet zebra. But if you want to attract customers, there's no room for black and white, so go to Staples. Staples specializes in bold, hard-to-miss color printing. And now at Staples, get 20% back in rewards on color printing, from banners to brochures and copies to presentations. Print more color, save more money at Staples. In-store only. Ends 11 10, 18. Restrictions apply. See store associate or staples.com slash 20 back for details. Blog Talk Radio. preseason for the listener co-host so we're going to have ourselves a guest on with us as well but first real quick let's finally welcome back the man that's been missing for like eternity in a day joe Joe, you there what's up man what's going on been mia for a while yeah it's been a good little run i had uh took the family down to the local uh theme park adventure park uh Back two Mondays ago, and then this last Monday was out at the beach. So, been unavailable for Tershow Radio. It's good to be back, man. Been an interesting two weeks for the Rams, and obviously at Tershow times, and we got a lot to discuss. How was the beach, though? Well, that's the thing. You know, I'm not a beach guy. So, the thing is, how was the beach? <laughs> it's like, that's like saying, you know, uh, how – how was the highway? It's just there. That's just a place you you have experiences at. So you know, it was it was nice to spend some time with my wife and my daughter. The the beach is just one of those. Here, here's one of those things, like the word frolic, right? It's a it's a weird word and it's a weird activity, but that's the perfect word to describe what people do at a beach. They go to the water and they frolic. No, that's not one of those. As a, as a grown ass man. I am not interested. It's okay. <laughs> Look, everybody can be interested in different things. Some people are interested in basket weaving. Some people are interested in finger painting. Some people are interested in the beach to each their own. I'm just saying there's just not a lot going on there that, that's all that interesting. Here's the two things I would say that I like about the beach, especially where we went, Rehoboth Beach, which is out there in Delaware. Number one, right. they got great food and beer. Can't be good food and beer, man. Now, there are other places with good food and beer. The beach doesn't have a stranglehold on food and beer, but they got good food and beer. That's number one. Number two, and this is maybe the the best thing about the beach that eventually when they get this in a candle or some potpourri, it's over for the beach, is the smell. There's something about the smell of the beach and the way that the sand makes the air kind of heavier, and then you get that saltiness, and then all the chemicals from everybody's sunscreen and all that shit. There's a, there's something about the smell of the beach that is in a in a real way intoxicating, but then you got a frolic and it's like ah ruined it. <laughs> hey, look, all I gotta say is 
it depends on the beach you go to. Because I've been to some beaches where if you inhale, you feel like you're about to die. So, so you don't <laughs> want to breathe in at all. Yeah, go for, <laughs> I was going to say, we got the, the, shout out to everybody in Houston in the area. If you guys haven't seen, we got a piece up on the site uh, carried from SB Nation to donate. But, yeah, as somebody who grew up in Texas, the Gulf of Mexico on our side, I, I get it, over on the Florida side, it's pretty nice. Over on our side, yeah, that's not a uh, that's not the aroma I'm talking about. <laughs> no, I've been there during red tide. No, it's uh, it's no fun. It's like you breathe in. It's like pepper spray. Yeah. Well, what we got going right, on this so, week, man? Where, where 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 we at? So this week, you know, we uh, we're gonna have Austin on. He's getting he's getting called in now. But you know, we we've had so much stuff happen over the past two weeks while you've been gone. It's been crazy, you know, like we've uh we've touched on so many different things on the site, you know, we got some things we got covered from there. But then also we had we've had our uh our extent of what we're gonna see from I guess the those starters and the, the key contributors for the team. Sure. So uh just from the preseason, you know, so that's stuff to talk about as far as how, what we've seen so far in the preseason. And I think that's that's probably the 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 meat and potatoes of every single Rams fan conversation right now because, you know, when you have those preseason games, expectations start going through the roof. <laughs> you know, you got guy, you know, one guy makes a catch that's really nice and drops four of the balls. It's like, oh, man, did you see that catch, though? He's about to have this crazy season, <laughs> you know. Or if you uh, you have a guy that fumbles twice and doesn't score a touchdown, oh, man, he's going to just absolutely bust this season. He's going to bomb out. So it should be an interesting uh, final week of the preseason because we know the starters aren't going to play on Thursday. So and then right. we, we we hardly had any play on Saturday. <laughs> so, and so and it's to be, me, if there's one storyline that dominates this year's preseason, it's just the inconsistency of personnel availability. You had you start out the preseason. Sammy Watkins isn't even on the team. Uh, you got no Robert Quinn, no Tavon Austin, no Kayvon Webster, no Josh Reynolds no Mark Barron, and then as you cycle throughout, you get to a place last week where Cooper Cup, a rookie who quite clearly is going to be a, uh, what's the right word, a significant contributor to this offense, he's not available for the most important preseason game for the starters. You got all four linebackers who are out. So, you know, I get it, the idea of the preventative maintenance program, and you got some veterans that they're trying to keep fresh. Andrew Whitworth's 35 years old, man. He's playing. You get you got Roger Saffold has had all kinds of injuries in his career. He's playing, so it, it, it's one of those things where you, you kind of wonder how ready is the personnel. Let alone obviously the headline Aaron Donald hasn't been available since day one. How ready is the team going to be for Week One when you've had to shuffle so much of the starters, even in their limited sample size? You want to point to what can go wrong in Week One. Go back 365 days, week one against the 49ers. Everybody went into last season thinking, oh, the Niners are crap. Oh, we're going to turn a corner. Oh, we got all this stuff together. Got our asses handed to us, 0 to 28. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm just saying that's the risk of what can happen when you're not prepared on all fronts for week one. And I think to me, the biggest storyline of the preseason is that the personnel has shifted to such a degree over the course of the three games thus far and soon to be four. That, that I don't know that you can say that we're going to be 100% ready on all fronts. You know, but that's the thing. When it comes to the uh, when it comes to the, the preseason and you talk about offense, defense, defensive players, they usually have an easier transition to get it back in flow. 
You know, early on in Maybe. camp, defense is absolutely killing the offense. They keep their ass every year, regardless of what team it is you're talking about, because offense is all about timing and stuff like that, which will make sense right. why you see Jared Goff playing in the preseason, but you don't see uh, Robert Quinn. He, actually, the entire right. starting linebacker core didn't play, you know. So when you, when, you, when you talk about as far as getting, you know, basically getting that cohesiveness down, getting guys locked in, ready to go, I don't think it's as big of a deal with the defense as it is the offense. You know, so to me it's more alarming that Cooper Cup set out. Even though he he had a good run so far, and I could see why they'd say, okay, well, you know, he's shown some good things. He looks pretty much ready, which he did. He looked pretty ready in the two games that we've seen him in. But then you have, sure. you know, Sammy Watkins didn't play that much. Um, the offensive line didn't play that much, you know, so – it is it is a bit alarming in that regard, but I'm not I'm not too worried about the defense. They start linebacker core. I think they're going to be fine. You know, it's it's not as hard to adjust the defense in game as it is offense. The offense is so much about timing, timing, timing. You know, you you take that away, then you screwed. <laughs> you know, so yeah. I can't say that I can't say that I'm too worried about that. I think I think the one thing that's it, it and we'll get into this obviously next week when we start looking ahead to the regular season. But one of the things that I think provides a comfortable buffer is. Sounds like they're going to face off the Indianapolis Colts without Andrew Luck week one. So, on one hand, that that should give you some comfort that – I was looking at the, the schedule. That and week 17, the home game against the 49ers, are probably the two best games to be able to get the easiest paths toward a win. The problem, of course, is if you don't win that game, it opens that Pandora's box of trying to figure out, okay – is something just going to be fundamentally wrong with this team this year? If you can, if you can't beat the Colts at home without Andrew Luck, I mean, go look at the Colts roster. It's not a good team. But, <laughs> but if you can't beat it, if you can't beat them without Andrew Luck at home, that's one of those things. Just like last year, Forty ers where you say, okay, this is going to be a long haul. Look, Joe. All I would say is, real quick, I would say this. All right, no one wants to hear it, but it needs to be said. Damn it. One of the biggest thorns in the rim side over the last 12 years has been Frank Gore, and I don't give a damn how old he is. For some reason, he just seems to always kick our ass. <laughs> I don't know what it is. So even without Andrew Luck, they have like Ram Kryptonite over there. <laughs> so so I wouldn't put anything past anything. This is the NFL. You never know. However, I fully expect the Rams to get a win against the coach without without Andrew Luck. Um, they better. I, I wouldn't be shocked. <laughs> I wouldn't be yeah. shocked at all. So Me either. But they better go with. Go ahead. No, nah, I was going to say up? they need to get that win. I think one of the good things that you could point to is we talked about shuffling personnel. Maybe the one group that's had the most consistency, obviously outside of quarterback, uh, over the course of the training camp into preseason has been the offensive line. Whitworth, Saffold, Sullivan, uh, Jamon Brown, and Rob Havenstein. They've all been working together. The entire offseason, all preseason games, obviously Rob Havenstein got a little bit more work this last week. But because nobody's injured, they're getting full time together. They're getting full reps. And if, the, if there's a unit that maybe either you want to say that you're worried about or that you think maybe the entire offense could hinge on, at least it's good to have those guys in together. If there's a criticism that some of the personnel has been shifted, it's, you know, that criticism is kind of moot when it comes to the offensive line. So at least that's a positive. I, got I know I agree with you on that. I definitely do. But uh, we got ourselves, our guest, he is in. We were having a little bit of trouble getting him in, but he's in. He's ready to roll. Austin, you there? I'm here. Hey, how you doing, Austin? I'm doing great. Just opened my first beer and ready to talk some Rams football. 
They, what hey, kind of beer? Just said Joe's favorite word. <laughs> what kind of beer? Let's get the details. What kind of beer? Oh, you know, Colorado's finest, Coors Light. Coors Light. That's my man. How that's very merry. That's very red, white, and blue of you. Now, Austin, where are you from? I'm from Oregon originally. What part? Eastern Oregon, so kind of right on the border of Idaho and Washington. So, are you? Is it beavers or ducks? Oh, it's beavers over or here. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Fortunately, it's beavers. It's rams. You know. <laughs> Tough time. I feel you. So, how in the world did you become a Rams fan? Well, it's kind of a funny story. Um, I was pretty young. I'm 24 right now, and I must have been five or six at the time. And my dad, my dad's a Colts fan and being the type of guy that he was, I have a brother that's one year older than me. And I remember about 30 minutes from kickoff and just a normal Sunday week one. And he walked in, he's like, all right, sons, you're five and six. Now it's time for you to pick your favorite football team. <laughs> as if, <laughs> as if we're responsible enough to make that decision at that age. <laughs> so that's how it works. Exactly. My question, my answer at the time was I'm going to pick the Rams because they have horns on their helmets, <laughs> which made a lot of sense. And my brother ended up picking the Titans. And then sure enough, the 99 Super Bowl, it's, you know, one of the greatest Super Bowls ever, Rams-Titans, and then kind of just stuck on from there. <laughs> well, uh, that was that's quite the decision to be made. How do you feel about the results of that decision? <laughs> Well, it was between two teams, and I, either way, it wouldn't have been that great because the other team was the Bills. So <laughs> I'm feeling all right because we got the 99 Super Bowl against my brother, so, you know, can't can't complain too much. <laughs> the other team was the Bills. That's a hell of yeah. a decision for a six-year-old to make. <laughs> it's almost unfair. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know what? I'll give you a pass since you're a Rams fan. But, you know, while I don't drink beer, I am from St. Louis, a, a homebred St. Louisan. And we are Anheuser Busch people. Factory is 20 minutes from my house. <laughs> so everything, oh, wow. that you, everything talked about needs to be bushed. <laughs> That's how I so I, I do life. have to bring this up since we're talking about Anheuser Busch. I did see earlier today, and I think, I don't know. You know, it's 2017. We're headed towards September. There's a lot of cause for concern that the America that we're building has some uh, central problems at the heart of our society. And I found some evidence that may be true. For the first time in my life, I saw a commercial for Natural Light Beer. I saw an ad on my TV for Natty Light. Now, look, I'm not, this isn't about politics, this isn't about religion. This isn't, when we got ads, TV ads, somebody spent money for a TV ad about Natty Light. I've, <laughs> I've never been more worried about the state of affairs for alcohol consumers such as myself more than I am tonight. It was I had to I had to go. I heard it in the other room. I was in the kitchen and I I, I was like, did my TV just say Natural Light? What the hell? And I had to go over to see what it was. And then it was a commercial. And I thought it was like maybe like a Saturday Night Live thing or some little skit somebody did. And I rewound it. I was like, oh, shit, there's an actual commercial for Natty Light. What in the hell I feel is like, going on? I feel like you're offended. If that really touched you, did it? <laughs> it, it did. Like the, my sensibilities were affected. Like there are impressionable young kids who need to be illegally buying much better beer than this. You cannot have our young, our young high school students poisoned. 
<laughs> oh, you also, you also don't even need to you don't even need to advertise it because the only people only reason people yeah, buy Daddy Light yeah. is because they don't have enough money. <laughs> as, if, as if we need TV commercials for like Milwaukee's best. So I, I was just shocked, man. I had I had never. We're gonna have it a while since I've been shook to my core. There'll be yeah. an old English commercial before you. Exactly. Know. Yeah. Mickey's. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, you know what. With that being said, Joe officially being turned off by the Natty Ice commercial and turning his stomach <laughs> from the very sound of it. <laughs> let's get let's get into the more about where we're you know playing some ball. You know the you know that place where they go where there's lots of beer everywhere. The stadium. <laughs> this past game, you know we 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 you know, we're sitting there we're all watching it. Compared to the previous week um, against the Raiders, what do we all think about Jerry Goff's performance with the Chargers? Go ahead, start things off, Austin. What do you think, man? I'll start them off. I, I think I tweeted about immediately after the first quarter. I said, you know, thanks, Rams, for putting us fans back where we belong <laughs> after those two turnovers. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot – I felt like through the first two weeks there was a lot of excitement around Jared Goff. And, he, and even the beginning of that drive, he came out pretty hot. He had a nice – he showed some nice mobility in the pocket when he flings that one out to Malcolm Brown. And then to just get – strip sacked the, the lack of awareness on that play was probably the most concerning thing the interception was kind of just a duck but the lack of awareness where you have someone coming at your face and you don't know to tug he could have just took the sack that was probably the most concerning then again it's preseason i don't want to get too high when things are good or too low when things are bad sure <laughs> yeah the the fact it wasn't from the blind side was a little bit worrisome i think that the the one thing that i'm still I guess heartened by is the fact that we haven't seen Jared Goff it's under Sean McVay work through these kind of problems. And McVay talked about this a little bit the other day. It's just the ability, you know, imagine he had the half that he had and then they get into halftime. They're, they're going to come back and say, okay, what do we need to do to fix some of this stuff? Avoid the problems that we're facing from the pass rush. Make sure that we're not throwing up lame duck interceptions for free Right, those are the kind of things that that is going to make McVay and by extension golf successful, either short term or long term. And we haven't really gotten to a place where we're there yet. All we've seen is the pre-game scripted stuff, right, for the most part. So we haven't we haven't gotten to a place where Jared Goff can get in on a third quarter and have that kind of QB amnesia that people talk about, where you forget the bad play, you forget the interception, and you turn a corner and you start making better plays, and you you find a comfort that you didn't have in the first half, the kind of comfort he had in the first half against the Raiders. I think the fact that we haven't seen how that's going to operate is maybe where we can say, okay, we know there's going to be mistakes. Jared Goff's not going to throw zero interceptions this year, but what's going to matter is when he throws them what kind of guidance does he get from LaFleur and McVay, and how does that manifest itself on the football field? We have gotten zero returns on that to this point. And so what you're saying, Austin, to the fact that it's just the preseason, that may be where it matters most more than anything. You know, for me, when I watched that interception, I was just – first off, I agree with you, Austin. I feel that he held that ball way too long on the strip sack. He held it for too long. And I don't mind you holding it if you're going to move around and make plays. For example, mm-hmm. he made the play to, to Malcolm Brown. That was beautiful. I yeah. mean, absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. That was like some true creative stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and he hit him perfectly. He gave him space. He didn't only give him yeah. space, but he ran up and drew the defender in away from him. Allowing and then let him with the pass. Yeah, exactly. So it was beautiful. You know, that was absolutely beautiful. But then, you know, he goes down there and he just holds the ball for way too long. And then, you know, that 
interception. It was a lame was bad. Up, but I'm confused <laughs> because I think he was trying to hit Sammy Watkins because he was running wide open. But the ball was yeah. 10 yards over his head. So I'm like, who the hell were you throwing to? Uh, that, yeah, that's that's so when you're playing Madden with a bad QB. And, you know, some yeah. of the passes just go flying out of nowhere. And you're yelling at the screen like, this is so fake. That's why they put that shit in Madden. Because of passes <laughs> like that. <laughs> because of passes like that where you just don't know who the hell they were throwing to. And that, that was one of those situations. But, like you said, you don't want to get too crazy and caught up into the situation and just blow it too far out of proportion. It is a preseason. And it's not like we didn't see bad play from him last year. So the fact that this yeah. is um, his first big mistake for the preseason so far, I think it's probably a good thing, you know, because we haven't seen as many of them as we saw last year, which shows progression. So I, I, I definitely would say, you know, just so far, you know, he's played the equivalency of one whole game for this preseason, for the time that he's played. And that's about the equivalency of a whole game. And what we've seen so far has been pretty decent. So I can't, I can't really knock him too bad because if it's a whole game, you know, you have two turnovers. Yeah, that's not what you want from your quarterback. But, again, we are looking at someone who's in their second year, played seven games last year, still trying to get better. You know, you have two turnovers, but you still had a lot of other success for that one game, that total of one game. So, I'm not going to go too crazy about that. Um, yeah. The, the, as far as the receiver corps go, what are we thinking about them? I thought the receiver corps looked pretty good so far. Uh, there's a lot of depth. We went from from <laughs> one of the thinnest <laughs> – in the uh, NFL to all of a sudden we got guys making plays all over. Um, I think somebody who no one's really talked about, uh, myself included, is Farrell Cooper this offseason. And he looked pretty good in this third preseason game with Cooper Cup out. And from what I could understand so far, whoever lines up in the slot is going to see a lot of balls. <laughs> you know, whether yeah. it's Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Farrell Cooper, any person that's been in that slot has gotten a lot of passes thrown to him this preseason. So that's been pretty interesting. What do you guys take, Ben? Well, the first thing I want to say, I definitely agree. It's kind of weird to say that we have some receiver depth. You know, that's not something we've said for years. Um, And then the the, the other player on top of Farrah Cooper that nobody talks about is Mike Thomas or Michael Thomas, who we thought was going to be a good guy, and he's suspended now for four weeks. I know one person that talks about him. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. It'll be interesting. I think, I mean, Cooper Cup, I was telling you guys about where I'm from in Oregon. He grew up about 30, sure. 30 minutes north of me is all. Uh, I actually ran into him at a party at Eastern Washington once. I came down and he was there. He's one of friend. He was a good friend with somebody I went to high school with that was a lineman for Eastern Washington. <laughs> so, I'm, I mean, I'm Cooper Cup through and through. I'm, the jersey's on the way. I'm all in on Cooper <laughs> Cup. <laughs> hey, and if you're looking for it. Go ahead, you know man. who to love him, right? You know who to love him. Robin Sosa would be like your best friend. <laughs> they're gonna Bravo. hear this, and they're gonna be like, "Get us that guy's number." <laughs> yeah. Robo loves some cup. Well, oh, what's, yeah. what's interesting, and I don't know if it was co- coincidental or you know a false deduction. You want to talk about a clear piece of evidence? Jared Goff happened to have probably his worst night of the preseason, the one game that Cooper Cup didn't play. Cooper Cup wasn't wow. there. Yeah. yeah. You know That's what I'm true. saying? It, it, how, yeah. how much you want to buy into that? I, I would leave it up to listeners, but uh, those two pieces of evidence are out there. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, no, you yeah. saw a lot yeah. of the in the games when Cooper Cup was in. I don't, I don't know security the exact blanket. stats, but yeah, a lot of those third and twos, third and threes. Yep. 
they get Cooper Cup, and he caught it. There was no yard, yards after the catch, but you know, to have somebody that you trust like that, exactly. keeps drives alive, keeps you away from turnovers, and scores points. Yeah. You know, I will say this: um, we haven't seen much from him in the preseason so far, uh, but there have been two plays that kind of stood out to me. The first one was uh, against the Raiders. Um, where he's he's wide open, but throw just missed him. But then this one would stood out a little bit more to me, and it's Tyler Higby. Um, he, you know, the play where the pass interference happens, where Jared Goff throws it to him going down the seam. I mean, off the snap, I, I watched that play over and over like seven or eight times, <laughs> and off yeah. the snap, he just gets off and he beats the guy from the very beginning. And this is early in the game; it's against the starting unit, you know. So it wasn't against somebody who wasn't going to make the team, you know. So I'm watching it. And off the snap, he just gets off. And when he gets off, he stacks them perfectly. He slides down the thing. He gets open. He's, he's done a score where Jerry Goff puts it in front of him. But then, again, it was that underthrow, which, because it was underthrow, it caused the pass sure. appearance as, you know, as Tyler Higby tried to adjust to go get the ball behind him. But it was underthrown yeah. by about three yards, so he had to slow down. But if that ball is out in front of him, it really got me excited for the potential yeah. of what Tyler Higby and Jared Everett could be. Because we've seen Gerald Everett in the preseason, his post-catch, the big thing that everybody talked about, that was my favorite thing when I scouted him, was, you know, what he does when he catches the ball. But then Tyler Higby, yeah. he, I think he's more athletic than what people think because he didn't really test at the combine. And unless you watched him in college, you don't really know how well he can run because last year he was hurt. He didn't get that much clock. You know, but that was just kind of evidence of the kid can really move at the tight end position. So it's something, that, it's something else to add to that receiving core you know, where you're just like, okay, you got Cooper Cup as a security blanket, you got yourself Robert Woods, you got yourself Sammy Watkins, and now you have Tyler Higby who shows his athletic ability of post-catch threat and Gerald Everett. There's some legitimate weapons here. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's no excuses for Jared Goff anymore. I mean, I think he, even if he has a bad year, we'll give him another chance because he's the number one pick. I think he has more than Sam Bradford ever had for us, though. Sure. I would agree. I think the big key is – Oh, go ahead, Jeff. No, you got to go ahead. No, I was going to say I agree. I think that leads us perfectly into our first uh, part of what we're going to discuss here is question-wise, which is straight from Austin himself. <laughs> you know, and it's uh, what type of statistical season should we expect from Jared Goff? And mm. I think you, you, you kind of led us into it with no excuses, so you go ahead and tell us what you think it. <laughs> um. I'll be a little conservative with it. I think he's going to be in the low 20s for touchdowns, and I think he'll be just over 10 for interceptions, probably, you know, in the 11 to 14 range, somewhere in there, mm. which I think wouldn't be a bad season. If the defense plays well enough, that could work out. But I think that would be enough where we can feel good about him going forward. But I don't want to be unrealistic thinking, you know, he's going to throw for over 4,000 yards and 30 touchdowns. Sure. I think that's realistic. It could be better. Could be worse. I hate to say that. It's possible, but I really think that's about the range. It's gonna. It's gonna be kind of Alex Smithish, if I if I if yeah. I'll say. I'll take <laughs> I I, Alex Smith. How many years Alex Smith been going to the playoffs? I'll take Alex Smith in a second. Exactly. Yeah, I think hey, you know what? <laughs> I'll Alex take that Smith in doesn't a... turn that ball over. <laughs> yeah, I'll take Alex Smith that in a minute. Pretty well, so you got to give him credit for that. What What do you yeah, think? I think three three things that you got to look at if we're talking about the entirety of the season. Number one is obviously health. Is he going to be? Is he going to play all sixteen games? He only played seven games last year. He took a beating, right? He yeah. he barely got through those seven games. Um, 
So if he, if he's got to deal with anywhere near the kind of uh, physical torture he dealt with last year, I don't know that anybody would think that he's going to be able to play 16 healthy games through that. That's number one. Number two um, is is about surrounding cast availability. You know, this last game was a game no Todd Gurley, no Cooper Cup, no Tavon Austin. I don't I don't know to what degree Tavon Austin is really going to factor in this offense, but until he's not on the team, you got to assume he's got a role. Um, yeah. Oh, offensive line remains healthy, and so when you talk about somebody like Roger Saffold, Andrew Whitworth, who the drop off from your starter to your backup is about as steep as you might find anywhere for any left tackle in the NFL. Um, if we're, if we're talking about an entire. Hey, I'm saying, man, it's just a, it's a risk mitigation, right? If you get injured, like we were talking about, the wide receivers being deep, you get injured at wide receiver, you got Sarah Cooper, you got Josh Reynolds, who's had a good preseason, Mike Thomas, albeit somebody who's suspended first four and has missed some time. There's, there's some comfort there. You get injured at left tackle even for a game, I'm not saying you press the panic button. I'm saying you would probably make sure you know where the panic button is, right? You're probably so not going to press the, it, but you're going to beat the hell out of the panic button. You're going to have it yeah. arm's reach. Yeah. <laughs> so number week, one is Jared Gutt. Huh? I was going to say that week's game plan, if you lose Whitworth for one week, the entire game plan changes. You know, Three step Gutt. drops all yeah, game. Exactly. Okay. So you start with Jared. Game. Yeah. So you start with Jared Gosselt. You start with who's available surrounding him over the course of a 16 game season. And then third, I think this is one of those things that a lot of times when we talk about season expectations, statistical projections gets kind of lost, which is incredibly important for a guy as young as Jared Goff, he's only 22 years old, is how much better, and especially with a first-year head coach, their relationship is still developing, how much better is Jared Goff in December than he is in September? I think that may be more important than anything. We talked about the idea that he could have a bad season. If it's bad throughout and it's consistent – one of my biggest questions is, does he, does he start every game? Like, I, I think it's fair to assume that unless it's just catastrophic, he's at least getting to the bye week. But if, if we see something where, where we're looking at it week to week and saying Jared Goff is the reason this team isn't winning games, if the defense is doing certain things, running game looks okay, offensive line is holding their own at least, and we know we've got some talent at wide receiver, if we're looking at Jared Goff as the reason, I, it, I think there's a question. I, I, I'm not necessarily asking it, but I think the question is there to be asked if he gets all 16 games. So when we talk about statistical projection, if you bake those in, I think there's some reason to maybe underplay the numbers a bit. But I'll, t- I'll take what Austin's offering. If we're talking about, you know, an, an improvement in yards per game from last year, which is obviously where he'd be with, you know, 2,000-plus, uh, if you're talking about a better than one-to-one touchdown-to-interception ratio – over the course of the season, that's an improvement. And if we get an improvement September to December that still lines up with those numbers, I'm going to feel very, very, very comfortable about where this team is heading next year. You know, with me, I look at it and I just kind of say, first things first, in this part varies. You know, this is very subjective. But what do you consider to be an average quarterback? And what do you consider an average quarterback? Yeah. For me, I look at it and I say, you know, That's an tough. average, not a great, just somebody just, just decent, you know, an average quarterback that's just decent that you can win games. It's probably going to get you somewhere between 36 and 3,800 yards and, you know, roughly about 24 touchdowns, 10 to 12 interceptions, something around like that. That's a pretty decent yeah. season, average season for a decent quarterback. You know, uh, I don't expect Jared Goff to be at that level, though. So if I don't expect him to be at that level, I expect him to be somewhere a little less than that uh, productivity. Mm-hmm. 
know, so yeah, I would say I, I would be comfortable again. It's all about, as Joe said, you see that improvement. You know, I'd be com- I'd be comfortable with Jared Goff having you know thirty four hundred yards passing thirty three. Hell yeah, passing. yeah, and you know, yeah. 3, 3, 3, 4, yards. Yeah, I'd be really comfortable with that. You know, because um, that right there is you know two hundred and fifteen yards, give or take a game. Compared to 155 he had last year, you know, so I would definitely be okay with him getting 215 a game. You know, throwing, I'd be okay with him throwing 20 touchdowns to 11 interceptions. That's perfectly fine with me sure. for a second year quarterback yeah. coming off the season okay. that he had. That's an unbelievable uh, progression, you know, so I'd be okay with it. And I agree, it's all about availability. I think as far as weapons goes, I'm 100% comfortable with the depth of all his weapons. If Todd Gurley goes mm-hmm. down, I'm comfortable with Malcolm Brown. Very good sure. runner. You know, uh, is, he a, is he a great talent? No. But as far as a runner, he, he has great vision, and he runs hard. He's a good runner. Yep. You know, so I'm, I'm comfortable with that. Justin Davis, he's showing me some things. I need to see him hold on to the ball more and work on pass protection. But I'd be comfortable with Justin Davis getting a few snaps and stuff. You know, so Todd Gurley goes down, I'm not worried too bad. If you lose a receiver or two, I'm still not worried because out of nowhere we suddenly have depth. Go figure. I do think that Tavon Austin is uh, still going to have a role because, I, I, like I, I've said before, you know, it's not so much to do with Tavon, um, what he's done to this point. It has more to do with just the fact of the explosiveness that comes with Tavon Austin. And any offensive-minded coach in the NFL – they're going to tell you if they have an off, they have an opportunity to get some explosive player under their wing. They're going to see what they can do with them. Everybody's always it's, it's an ego move. Everybody wants to be the one to prove that they know how to to fix a Tebow. You know, so when you have something that gets people excited, you want to prove that you know how to work with it. You know, and being Sean McVay, a young bright offensive mind, you know, I think that in his mind he's like, well, let me see what the hell I can do with Tebow Austin. I think that's the reason he's still here. Um, I do believe that they wanted to trade him. You know, I think they could have figured out a way to make it happen. We traded Sam Bra- or we traded Sam Bradford. Let's not forget it. Greg Robinson. Okay, yeah. We traded Greg Robinson. We traded Greg Robinson. Yeah. If you, I think if they wanted to get rid of Tavon Austin, it would have already happened. I believe that when they said they did not want to get rid of him, I think, but I also think that it's truly a make break year. You know, they're going to see, hey, can, can this guy be the one to make it work? Now, I still don't expect him to be a thousand yard receiver like some people for whatever reason ever expected, but I do think that you know, you see uh, an improvement. You know, so when you have those weapons around Jerry Goff, I do, I do agree there should be less um, excuses. Uh, his his surrounding cast is vastly improved, and I keep saying it, and I'm, I'm going to keep on saying it. Andrew Whitworth is great, but what John Sullivan is going to bring as far as protection wise, understanding protection, calling out front, making sure he knows where to go with the high reads, who's coming, is going to be great for him. You know, so his surrounding cast is great, and then he has a coaching staff, something the Rams haven't had for any quarterback. In you know, so I do expect a, an improvement statistically. I think he'll be below an average starter, but I, I, I don't think he'll be terrible by any stretch of the imagination. So uh, speaking of which, uh, of Tavon Austin, Sean McVay has confirmed that, you know, he's healthy from the hamstring. They didn't want to play him, but he didn't want to play anyone in the third preseason game. Uh, doubt if he's going to play in the fourth preseason game, considering no starters are probably going to play. But uh, he he did confirm he's healthy and that um, he's going to be active for the uh, for the uh, game against the Colts, and that they are going to have him in the game plan. So 
And and then that makes sense considering, you know, he's been there for the offseason. So it's not like he's clueless as to what's going on. He hasn't been able to practice. Sure. He's, he's gotten to study the playbook way more than Sammy Watkins. <laughs> you know, so yeah. my guess is he's probably going to practice, you know, this upcoming week. But one so thing I think that's going to be funny. No, I was just going to say, one thing that's going to be funny is we've talked about the wide receiver depth. We talked about Higby, Gerald Everett. There's way too many guys involved for a regular season game. There's there's no way that you can get Sammy Watkins, yeah. Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, Tavon Austin, Farrell Cooper, obviously Mike Thomas suspended. There's no way you can get all those guys involved to a major degree. Yeah. No. Just, that's yeah. the good thing. That's the best that's the best thing about having weapons because the defense doesn't know who's getting what. Sure. <laughs> you know, you got everyone on their toes. You know, so that's what makes it so good, uh, when you have those weapons. When you surround a quarterback with multiple options and you know how to utilize them as opposed to having multiple yep. options and you just throw the ball, you just force the ball down semi walking throw all game. What it does, you know, do this. <laughs> What's the point of having all these weapons? If you're spreading the ball around, which I think this offense will yeah. do, then, you know, you're, you're pretty much setting yourself up, ready, you know, to be able to attack in, like, multi-magnitude ways. You know, you're, you're opening up the offense, which I got to admit, that would be really nice to see somebody in a Rams uniform do. <laughs> it's been a long time since any offense has been open. The closest thing we've <laughs> seen to an offense getting opened up has been Brian Schottenheimer. <laughs> so, yeah. So that, that, that should tell you all you need to know about the Rams offensive struggles lately. <laughs> so, really quick, um, another thing here that uh, Austin mentioned is, you know, me, myself, I, I posted an article this past week, you know, saying that I don't like Colin Kaepernick. Uh, that was a very interesting one. <laughs> and we, you know, we'll touch on that a little bit more here. But, Austin, you don't like Russell Wilson. <laughs> I think we need, the world needs to know why you don't like Russell Wilson. I do not. Um, <laughs> it's one of those things. Like I told you guys this earlier in the email. Um, so I grew up in Oregon, and I went to, went to college at St. Martin's University, which is in the Seattle area. My whole life, the Seahawks were bad growing up. Part of the reason why I didn't want to be a fan, they were the closest team. They were five hours away, though. And then you go to Seattle, and you're or you're just surrounded by this Seahawks mayhem every day. <laughs> and I I didn't – I checked just before. The Rams didn't win once while I was in college at Seattle, which is the only games the Seahawks fans watch, I swear. It's the home games. <laughs> <laughs> Part of the reason I want to bring this up is I've had a tough – I don't really know how to explain why I don't like Russell Wilson. Part of it, it's almost like most people assume if you're a Rams fan and you don't like the Seahawks, like you're going to hate Marshawn Lynch when he was there, obviously. Richard Sherman, kind of these cocky personalities. But I almost just get tired of the Russell Wilson. It's just – it's almost too perfect, you know. <laughs> the interviews are just – we go out, we give 110%. You know, it's all 11 guys working to their best. And eventually you're just like, this guy's, you know, he's got to have some skeletons. There's got to be something going on with this guy. <laughs> so it's not I, rational. I'll admit that. It's probably not rational. I would, I mean, if he was a Rams, I'd probably love him. He'd probably be my favorite player. <laughs> but when the, when the enemy is this like perfect picture, it just, you know, it makes you dislike him that much more. You know, all I heard from that, out of all that, all I heard you say was Russell Wilson likes Matty Ice. And he needs the light core. <laughs> That's what I heard. Pretty much, yeah. 
in a nutshell. You just can't, you can't get down with that, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Hey, um, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> you know what? You know what? He had he got Sierra, so I, I'll give him a, I'll give him a break on anything. Anything. That that gave him a lot of cool points in my book, even if he does drink Matty Ice. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Yo, do you do you? Is there a quarterback in the league that you don't like? Just don't you just don't like him. Hmm. Quarterback, I don't like Russell Wilson, but it's just because he's corny. He's just a corny. He's the kind of dude that. <laughs> That's yeah, a good word. Russell Wilson. That's a good y'all, word. y'all saw I the, like that. Yeah, y'all saw the picture of him, right? Y'all saw the picture of him. What was it at the McGregor fight? This is the Russell yeah. Wilson is the kind of dude that that stops at a Seven Eleven on the way to the game is like, oh, I better pick up a do rag. Like, what? Get that dog. <laughs> get out of the picture. Just sit on the side. That that I like Colin Kaepernick, and I can understand why you don't like him because of his football stuff. I get that. Yeah. Russell Wilson's one of those dudes where you just shake your head at him and be like, dude, you you just a hoe. But not in like a sexual sense. <laughs> just like in a like, nah, dude, you just don't need to be involved. Well, um, as, as a Rams fan, one of the things I I know you guys saw it's one of the things I hated the most was when um Kaepernick and Russell Wilson took that like Sports Illustrated cover picture. Ugh, <laughs> I was like, oh, I don't, I don't yeah. even know what to say to that. This is just the two guys that have it's just gross. been <laughs> converting if, if there's, on us every week. Yeah. If there's a the kind of quarterback that I don't like is the kind of like a Joe Flacco, Eli Manning, that is just capable of brilliance at one point and then capable of just doing the dumbest, Papa John's direct TV sponsored shit that you've ever seen. Just the kind of the throw, the interception that Jared Goff made. When Jared Goff makes it, you say, okay, this is a young dude that hasn't played the game much. He doesn't have. Eli Manning has been in the league almost as long as Sean McVay's been alive. This is a dude that's won Super Bowls. When Eli Manning throws those kind of interceptions, it's like, bro, you've been in the league for almost 20. How have you not learned? We, you got Odell Beckham Jr. You got you got Victor, or had Victor Cruz. You got all these guys that go to Pro Bowls. You got all this weaponry. How are you still making plays like that? And the thing is, it doesn't matter because you know he's still going to the playoffs. And you know it's one of yeah. that, that's the kind of thing I hate. It's almost that dumb luck. I hate dumb luck. Eli Manning, Joe Flacco, yeah. those seem like dumb luck guys, and that's the kind of thing I can't. Well, those guys like without a couple of playoff runs, and I mean. You know, obviously they have to they, got, they both got Super Bowl rings. Yeah. I know. Like what? They're in the same. They're in the same category as like a Jay Cutler to me in a lot that's of ways. A lot true. of challenges. You know true. what? That's a perfect example. Maybe not so much for Joe Flacco. I think Joe Flacco is a better quarterback than Eli. But Eli, to me, is the most overrated quarterback of my generation. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't understand how a person who has less than sixty percent completion rate. Leads the league in active interceptions <laughs> and turnovers in general. You know, I just don't. I don't understand how he gets so much hype. I have heard so many people call him elite. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> they just like to say that because it just it yeah, works too works. perfectly with the first three letters. But the know? great thing about Eli Manning is he sums his own career up with his face. If you just go search Manning face, his face sums up. It's, it's a look of confusion. And disgust, and at the same time, you kind of impressed. Like, okay, I guess if you can pull it off, 
It's like it's like the David Tyree catch in one picture on Eli's face. In, in, in a whole career. Yeah, it really is. You know what? Eli is by far the luckiest quarterback I've ever seen in my life. That, that David Tyree catch and then that Mario Manningham catch. Oh, I don't man. Know it's just weird. That ball. It's, it, he's the luckiest so guy that, ever. But man, the and of course, it's, it's so the overrated. Patriots. Of course, they're both right. against the Patriots. Like, right. <laughs> so that's the kind of thing that I hate. quarterback yeah. who's one quarterback who's truly legit the man, like he's legit that good, and then another quarterback who's just that lucky, and the luck somehow beats the man. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> it's been his only kryptonite in the Super Bowl so far. Because the other quarterback, he beat, one of the other quarterbacks that Tom Brady beat is Russell Wilson. So, <laughs> so yep. it's like, it's like his, his kryptonite is the, the lucky cornball, Eli Manning. It doesn't make sense to me. It's, it's so mind-boggling. I'll never understand. That kid needs to seriously go get a lottery ticket. Like, for real. <laughs> Immediately. <laughs> With me, I mean, everybody already knows the quarterback I don't like is Colin Kaepernick. <laughs> it's just been going on for years. <laughs> but as, as I said, you know, in the article that I posted, you know, I don't like him, but I definitely admire what he stands for. It's, uh, it's like you, you, don't, you, you don't like the person for – all the right reasons, if that makes sense. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, when you're talking about sports, you usually don't like the one because they are thorn in your side. You know, <laughs> you know, yeah. no matter what the sport is, somebody always drives you crazy. You know, uh, right. there was a lot of people who didn't like Michael Jordan. <laughs> you know, because their team could never get past him. You know, that was Colin Kaepernick with me. You know, I just I don't like him for that reason. But then you look at what he stands for, and he's uh, sticking with it. He's not letting people get him to break or fold and he's still pushing to get back into the league. You got to respect yeah. that opinion. You know, so I, I definitely, it's, all, it's hats off to him for me all day, every day. Mm-hmm. That's not going to change. I really don't give a damn what anybody thinks. <laughs> you know, uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with him standing up and saying, hey, I have a platform. I'm going to bring awareness. You know, everyone's saying, oh, he should have picked someone else to do it. But guess what? A year later, we're still talking about it. I guess it worked. Yep. <laughs> if you know, I guess it worked. <laughs> You know, yeah, I was going to say one one serious point and then one silly point. Serious uh, note: Colin Kaepernick may not be in the league, but this protest is likely going to be the biggest story in the NFL going yeah. into and probably coming out of Week One. This, these protests have uh, expanded beyond Colin Kaepernick and beyond the San Francisco 49ers. It's going to be a big deal. Um, so I'm glad you wrote what you did, man. Uh, I was happy to read it. Uh, on a sillier note. We had this juxtaposition between you not liking Colin Kaepernick, Austin, you not liking Russell Wilson. <laughs> Colin Kaepernick stands for racial justice and equality in our civic uh, legality uh, and a willingness to move beyond the strife of bigotry into a society that's more fair and more equitable for people of all colors. Russell Wilson stands for nanobubbles. That's a corny dude. That's a corny dude. <laughs> That's a good one. You know, I got to give you credit on that one. I like it. Man, I like it. Isn't, it. isn't it ironic that the quarterbacks we don't like all played in the NFC West? Yeah. <laughs> no if, 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 if Eli Manning gets traded to the Cardinals, I'm going to blame you, dude. Hey, if Eli Manning gets traded to the Cardinals, I'm going to be so happy because the Cardinals' offensive line have not stopped the Rams' pass rush, and I don't know how long. And I want to see him get absolutely blown. You, you say you'd be happy. You know what would happen? He would win a Super Bowl. He's going to Larry Fitzgerald would catch it with his feet. 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, hey, you know what? I'd be okay with him winning that Super Bowl because while it is the Cardinals, if there, you know, there, there, while it is the Cardinals, if there's one player you know that you want to see get a ring before he's gone, it's Larry Fitzgerald. So I'd be okay with that. But at the end of the day, I'm probably going to talk a lot of trash about Eli. <laughs> I was like, hey, good job, Larry. But that other guy, <laughs> I don't know what the hell he was doing. <laughs> But, so yeah, I, I I would I would be uh very happy with the Eli getting killed by the Rams. <laughs> so we've got you know, two more things we want to talk about here before we get to some of these questions. The first is what has been the Rams' worst draft pick thus far? Something else from Austin. Who are you thinking so far? I got mine. <laughs> I got mine ready. <laughs> Who are you thinking, Austin? The Rams' worst draft pick so far. Yeah, I definitely wanted to hear what you guys thought, but um. It's obviously too early on Goff. If Goff is horrible, the amount of capital we gave up for him, he could potentially be the worst. I am in the air about Greg Robinson and Isaiah mm-hmm. Peed. Those are because <laughs> Isaiah Peed. People forget like he he was a second round pick, a second oh, round pick in the NFL you. draft. He that's a starter. That's a starter on your team. He never he never contributed in any way for the Rams. At least Robinson yeah. went out there and got a few holding penalties for us. At least he was on the field. <laughs> what's, um, the, what's the date range for this? When we when we say worst draft yeah, pick, what, what are we talking about? What's the date range we're looking at for worst draft pick? Because I can pick the family. Yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, last 15 years, I guess, Ooh, in that range. That's a lot. Last ten years, that maybe. A lot. We've had a lot of that's a lot of material. <laughs> Let's do ten. Yeah, we don't want to forget about like Alex Barron. And I know. Yeah. <laughs> Joe Klopfenstein, Ty Hill, Brian Leonard. Yeah, there's oh, a lot. Oh, of- oh, oh, I got, I got oh, one for you. I got one for you, Joe. Strong candidate. <laughs> he was. Strong, wow. strong was he a- was in the first round. <laughs> you know, I'm a little upset now because I had completely forgot about him, and now I'm angry again. You're welcome. Okay. <laughs> Years I can pick them out left to right. <laughs> we have, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll be the hot take artist on this one. All right. Yeah, Trung was Trung was wide. I'll, I'll be the hot take candidate. It's a draft pick that I've hated uh, since we took him, and I know that this confuses people a lot of times when I say it. But I'm going to say it is Todd Gurley, and here's why. All the picks. But here's the thing. When you talk about, like, Greg Robinson or Isaiah Pede, those prospects didn't pan out. Clearly they weren't good enough on the merits of their skill set to succeed. But the picks made sense, right? You go back to 2012 when we took Isaiah Pede, we had Steven Jackson and nothing, right? So moving forward to take a guy in the second round who coming out of Cincinnati, Isaiah Pede had a lot of of reason to buy into that pick. The pick made sense. You talk about Greg Robinson – Number two overall, that was a pick before Aaron Donald in 2014. Rams needed to start rebuilding the line. Probably started to need to rebuild it before 2014, but where you were sitting in 2014, number two overall pick, left tackle, you get your pick, makes sense. The problem with the Todd Gurley pick was the Rams had already taken four running backs under Jeff Fisher. They had taken (laughs) Isaiah Pede, they had taken Daryl Richardson, they had taken Todd, Gur- uh, Todd Gurley. They had taken Zach Stacy, and they took Trey Mason, right? They had, they had already taken – yeah, it's a 40 and slip on my butt. They had already taken four running backs. So when you take Todd Gurley, it does two things. Number one, it decapitates the value of all those draft picks. Suddenly, all those draft picks, Trey Mason, Zach Stacy, Daryl Richardson, and Isaiah Pede, no longer have any opportunity to contribute to the game because Todd Gurley is going to have to be your bell cow 
at running back, and you got Benny Cunningham in the mix. So now you've just forced all four of those picks to be wasted in retrospect. That's number one. Numbered, and I, by the way, I said all this, A, when we picked Todd Gurley, and B, when we picked Trey Mason, because it was the same effect. Two, the running back position does not improve your offense and barely improves your running game to a degree to justify taking it early on in the first round. And nobody's proved that more than Todd Gurley. He's an yeah. incredibly talented running back. It's, Todd Gurley's not the problem. But you can't run the ball unless you have, A, a decent system, and B, the guys in front of them to make a running game viable for a running back. The Rams didn't have either. So when you take Todd Gurley at 10th overall, all it proves is you're not drafting in a way that makes any sense towards improving the team. Nobody proved that more than Jeff Fisher and Les Snead together over the last five years, and I don't think anything exemplifies that worse than Todd Gurley. I know exactly what you're saying because it's like the pick wasn't needed. You know, you didn't need that position. And I agree. That was a 10th you. overall you know, pick, bro. That was a 10th overall I, I, pick. Yep. If anybody remembers, I went to war with people in the, the comment section before the draft. You know, when I was doing scout reports, and, you know, and I'm doing mock drafts and stuff, people were like, well, we need Todd Gurley. Or we need, I'm like, no. And then people were like, oh, we got to take him in the first round. I'm like, no. <laughs> you know, so I agree <laughs> with you 100%. It didn't make any sense to me because I'm like, well, we have Trey Mason. You know, and we have Zach Stacy, and it's like I don't sure. understand why. Yeah. And we have Benny Cutting, and we had a really good stable of running back. So it's like it I don't hard. understand why we would go get you know Todd Gurley <laughs> when there were so many other holes to be filled. And that was a good draft in the in the first round for linemen. You know, yeah. so it's like why not fill some of these holes instead of taking fifty linemen from rounds two to two to seven. <laughs> it didn't really make a lot of sense when you could have gotten yeah. mirror linemen in the first round, and then you go get yourself a Rob Havenstein, and from there you should fill in other holes from from uh, receiver to you know getting depth, getting depth in secondary, and all this other stuff. But it didn't make sense to me. The difference between me and you, Joe, is that you say Todd Gurley is supremely talented. I say he's just talented um, because I don't think Todd Gurley. For me, and I say this all the time, what makes an elite running back is a list of things. First, you have to have vision and patience. That's number one. Um, outside of vision and patience, when you talk about physical ability, you got to have strength, you got to have balance, you got to have speed, and you got to have power. Um, but then the other thing that I think is get overlooked sometimes is elusiveness, the ability to make people miss. No matter how big, no matter how powerful some of the best backs have been, they all have been elusive. Uh, you look at one of the best backs the Rams have had uh, in recent memory, Steven Jackson, as big as he was, 6'3", 240 pounds, the dude could make you miss. <laughs> he didn't always He's have athletic, to yeah. He's athletic. He's athletic. Yeah, yeah. And one, of, one of the most underrated parts to uh, Marshawn Lynch's game is his ability to make you miss in the open field. It's why he's so good yeah. at receiving. He can line up out wide. And come off the line and make get shake you get loose and go get wide open. You know, Todd Gurley yeah. doesn't have that ability. He's not a he's one of the stiffest runners you're gonna see in the NFL today. He's <sighs> very straight up. He doesn't have wiggles. He's a north south runner to the truest sense of the phrase. You know, and that's why I say that it's always gonna be hard for me to put him in that category because I don't I don't think if you don't open up those huge holes for him, you know, because he doesn't have wiggles, he's not gonna be able to make you miss in that one on one unless he overpowers you. But at the same time, Todd Gurley isn't a run-you-over kind of back. He'll break tackles, but he'll break arm tackles. But he's not going to deliver the boom or anything. We haven't seen it yet. 
and we didn't see it in college. He doesn't just lower the shoulder and just run you over and keep going like some other backs do. That's not his game. He's a he's a sprinter, straight line sprinter. He's Barry McFadden essentially, but a little better. <laughs> if that makes sense, I think he's Barry McFadden, but better and not as injury prone. Um, if that makes sense to anyone, Barry McFadden can't catch can't catch a cold, but I think Todd Gurley has better hands. And I think Here, here's one of my favorite hypotheticals on. to consider that, that I think frames the value of the running back appropriately. If you put Todd uh, Gurley on the Dallas Cowboys, how much better would he be? Good question. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Quarterback, passing game, offensive line. We saw what they did with Darren McFadden. Darren McFadden leaves and what happens? You get Ezekiel Elliott. Right. He, uh, everybody falls in love with Ezekiel Elliott. As it, because they don't recognize that the system and the offensive line are contributing to the running back's output to, to, yeah. a, to a pretty overwhelming degree. And, and so it's not – this is weird. I just said Todd Gurley was the worst with draft pick in recent memory, and now you got me defending him, Myson. I, I, don't, I don't have a problem with the, with the, with the skill set. The, Todd Gurley as a running back isn't what troubles me. What troubles me is that kind of investment – Given yeah. where the roster oh, yeah, was, yeah, yeah. When they took well, we did. I think Absolutely. we did it out of order. This his skill doesn't trouble me at all. It's not. I don't want anyone to misconstrue yeah. what I'm saying. I like him as a running back. I, I don't. I don't. I, it's hard for me to put him at elite. You know, um, when he hasn't shown me anything, and then his skill set doesn't say elite. But I still right. think he's a running back. I think he's a guy that can get you a thousand yards year in and year out. In his yeah. What to, were you saying? To me, you were saying something? To me, yeah. To me, I just think we did it out of order. I think we tried to patch our run game by getting a running back. And you yeah. look at the Cowboys, they built their entire offensive line, and then they drafted the stud running back, which just, like, inflates how good a running back could be. I think Ezekiel is really good. He's nowhere near the player he is without that offensive line. Sure. And we just we just tried to band-aid, like, oh, our run game hasn't been that great. Let's just get one of the best running backs in the draft, and we'll figure it out. I will talking about Todd Gurley or Isaiah Peed? <laughs> Todd Gurley. <laughs> <laughs> Isaiah Peed. Okay. Yeah. With Todd Gurley, I will say to echo your point about one of the worst draft picks ever, that was the one I was most angry about when it happened. Because I remember sitting on the board, there was some offensive line there. I remember I liked Devontae Parker. He hasn't as much, but he was like three picks later. And no question that was the most glaring need for the Rams was either a wide receiver or offensive line at the time. And then I was like, we got Trey Mason. He looks good. And then I, I, I had no idea. I read, who knows, 200 mock drafts. Not one of them said Todd Gurley. I, you know, you didn't right. see it coming. <laughs> I mean, if you guys wrote it on Turf Show Times, if you guys broke the news on Turf Show Times and I missed it, I might be wrong. <laughs> but I don't remember seeing Todd Gurley anywhere. And when it first no came out, I was, like, I was like, really? Like, the guy coming <laughs> off a knee injury, like, yeah. uh, it was, it was, yeah. I like him. You know, I think he'll be good for us, but I think we definitely did it out of order. Yeah, so. absolutely. I, and you know, I agree with you. No one saw it coming. Um, I like him, too. I agree he's going to be good for us. I think I think that would be hard for anyone to argue that he wouldn't be good for us. But yeah, yeah. it was definitely out of order, like you said, and no one saw it coming. <laughs> I don't care who you are. No. I don't think any GMs in the NFL – saw the Rams taking him at 10. I don't think anyone thought he'd right. go in the top 10, yet the top 20 even, yet alone the top 10. To the Rams. You know, I, I, yeah. coming, off of the, coming off of the knee injury, a really ugly one at that, um, I don't think anyone would have picked him before the bottom half of the first round. He probably could have slid into the 
the top of the, the second. But after Melvin uh, Ingram goes off the board, you know, at 15, yeah. he probably comes off soon after because people go to panic. But then again, maybe at Melvin Ingram starts to uh, – uh, Melvin, Melvin Gordon. Ingram, but uh, Melvin Gordon. Gordon. Maybe he comes off the sure. board at 15 because Ty Gurley went at 10, so that kind of forced the frenzy. So it's really That's always true. hard to tell, but I don't think anyone thought Ty Gurley goes in the top 15 at all. So no. I agree with you but, there. Uh, go ahead. Still the best way I've seen it explained was Pete Prisco, CBS Sports, said the Rams taking Todd Gurley, and I'm paraphrasing now, but he said it back then, the Rams taking Todd Gurley was a luxury pick by a team that can't afford to make luxury picks right exactly. now. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's perfect. I, I think I said something yeah. similar along the same lines post draft. I just yeah. I was in shock from like three months after that. So it was so Jeff Fisher. It was so Jeff Fisher. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> completely. It was, it was Absolutely. It. it was so Jeff Fisher. <laughs> so really quick before we before we burn through these listener questions, you know, we're here we're here about to close out the show pretty soon. Really quick. Final preseason game coming up Thursday. Uh, starters aren't going to play. Well, you both give me three players, you know, that you think it could really stand out in this uh, final preseason game with all of the third stringers. You know, second team is probably going to start the game, but third stringers are really going to fight for their roster spots. You know, this is where you see the hitting. You see guys are laying it all yeah. on the line. You know, three guys you think could really stand out between the second and third strings. Go. Okay, I get – Yeah, yeah I can start here. Um, yeah. I mean, offense, like, I imagine I'll play. I want to see Gerald Everett do some damage with the second unit because, you know, with Higby being the one, I hope that he can do some things because I think he's going to play a lot during the season. So I think any reps for him is good. Um, and obviously on the other one, I'm probably going to give you a four here, but on offense, we also got Josh Reynolds. I mean, he's been exciting yeah. the whole time. We want to see him out there stretching the field. On defense, a couple of guys that I've liked for the past couple of years and always been watching them in the preseason is um, old MJ, Michael Jordan. That guy's mm-hmm. an athlete. He's always making plays. I think he's got a spot on the roster. And yeah. I, I think part of the reason, I think they were really high on him, and I think that's part of the reason that they were okay with letting DJ Gaines go was because yeah. they felt good about Michael Jordan in that spot. And then lastly, the defense, defensive lineman, Fox. That guy just seems Morgan to make Fox. Morgan Fox. He that's just, a sneaky one. That's a good choice. <laughs> he just seems to make plays. Like I mean, it might be the third quarter of a preseason game and third and two, but he blows through the line and makes a big stop. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter that much in preseason, but you know, I think you know he was coached very well. You know, say whatever you want about Fisher, but they did a good job of coaching defensive linemen. You know, <laughs> that's for sure. So I, I think he, I think he'll find a spot on the roster too. I think those are kind of the guys that I think are going to have a good week four game. I am disappointed not to see Goff, though. I know it's not yeah. traditional, but I want any reps for him. I want as much reps for Goff as possible going into the season. I'll give you my three mice, and then you can uh, run with it. Uh, number one, I'm going to take a bit of a Josh Reynolds-type hit of somebody who's had an obviously uh, productive preseason. Number one for me is Justin Davis. Um, oh, yeah. You've got – you got the running back outside of Lance Dunbar. You got the running back depth healthy. So Malcolm Brown, Aaron Green can soak up those early carries. By the time Justin Davis gets in the game, he's going to be facing, you know, the guys that are not likely to make uh, rosters in a week and a half. Justin Davis has had a phenomenal preseason doing just that. And, uh, you know, given his performance the last two games, I don't know why. We shouldn't expect a little bit more of the same. 
uh, on Thursday. So that's my number one. Number two, similarly, a guy who's had a lot of disruption uh, alongside Morgan Fox in the last two games is really – somebody that I did not think was going to make much of an impact at all and has shot up my board to make the team maybe as the primary backup is Mike Purcell, man, as a no yeah. tackle. I didn't yeah. – uh, I didn't have a lot of value in him when we brought him on, and I've been nothing but surprised – and impressed, so that's somebody that uh, I'm, I'm eager to see. If he does it again, that's a guy that's not only a roster lock, but he could be your backup for Michael Brockers. And given the way the defensive line is played, where you don't, you got no Dominique Easley for the for the season, Aaron Donald has yet to play, a primary backup for Michael Brockers could see a lot of time. Um, the third one I'm going to go a little bit, uh, I guess you'd say, off the reservation. I'm eager to see, and I, I mentioned this earlier, left tackle depth. And and I know that if Andrew Whitworth <laughs> yeah. goes down, likely yeah. the backup plan is, you know, either to move Roger Saffel to left tackle or either Rob Havens or whatever to avoid going deep because the depth there just isn't great. But I think there might be a battle between Pace Murphy, maybe even Andrew Donnell, I don't know what his role is, and even Michael Dunn. And, and you know, do, do I think they're going to ball out? Maybe not. But I think one of them has an opportunity to only because the motivation level is going to be so high at the position knowing there's a spot on the 53-man roster for a backup left tackle. And until somebody has won it, and I don't know that anybody has yet, it's there to be won. Good point. Um, That's a really good point, actually. I would definitely say, you know, um, I'm expecting the receivers to really get after it. Um, And I love your point about Jared Everett for one very big reason. With the starters not expected to play that much, and you're wanting to get your young tight end ready for the season, I think he's going to play a lot because Tamaric Hemingway just broke his leg. So yeah. I think he's going to play Tameric. a whole lot. <laughs> you know, I think he's gonna, he's probably going to play three, four quarters. Uh, so Gerald Everett is probably going to have a lot of opportunity. And then the other pass catchers, um, you know, from Farrell Cooper to Mike Thomas and uh, Josh Reynolds, Paul McRoberts, I think Nelson Spruce, they're all going to go have a battle if and only if, you know, uh, we see a lot of Sean Mead. Uh, I think this fourth preseason game, you know, is where Sean Mead starts and, you know, uh, Dan Oblocki, he comes in probably to start the second half. But if you, if that's indeed the case where you have a lot of Sean Mead in the first, I think that'll really allow the, because Sean Mead, I don't care what anyone says, he to be able to better back up. He just, he just looks really good. You know, uh, he makes yeah. really, really good throws. Former leader. The guy, he makes some really tight window throws. <laughs> you know, he, he hits guys in stride and they're accurate. You know, so if you have him out there for the entire first half, I think it'll give those young receivers an opportunity. I think we're going to see some young receivers probably step up and really make the decision hard of who to keep. You know, I, I would not be surprised if we have seven receivers, you know, this season. Mm. Um, and then yeah. after that, you know, I, I agree with Mike Jordan. I think Mike Jordan's probably going to have a good game. Uh, one thing that stood out to me from this Chargers game is Mike Jordan was the starter. If Kayvon Webster didn't play, it was Mike Jordan. Yeah. That's what yeah. Yeah. he started. And the more interesting thing is he didn't record a single stack in the game, and they played men the whole time. Now, why is that so yeah. interesting? Because for you not to record a single stack in the game and you're playing men the whole time, that means you didn't have a, a window for the quarterback even yep. <laughs> You completely eliminated your men. So that is uh, that stood out to me like a, a sore thumb. You know, so I really think if he 
starting this four preseason game. He's getting a lot of clock. Uh, I think that he's probably going to make the plays. And then the third, the third guy for me, and I keep saying it, is Juan Price. I'm a huge fan of Juan Price. Dan Orlovsky. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> Juan Price. I'm a huge fan of him. Him and Tesla Smart. I'm, I'm a fan of Tesla Smart as well, but. I really like Juan Price. I think he's super disruptive. I think he's got a great get off it. This is going to be the game where we're going to get to see it because I think he's going to play a whole lot, considering that none of the linebackers are going to play. And then, you know, yeah. most of the D line is going to play. We're going to see those. We're going to see that uh, those backup units for the, 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 the guys in the box on defense. They're going to get a lot of snaps. And honestly, I don't really expect any of them to come off the field. I think it's just going to be the third series play for the most part, all the way to like the halfway through the fourth quarter. You might see those guys fighting for practice squad spots. But I think Tesla Smart and Juan Price, those guys are going to be able to feel a lot. We've got Morgan Fox. I think he's going to get a lot of clock. I think we're going to see how uh, how good these, these backup guys can be. You know, if we do, if we were to unfortunately lose someone, someone go down, what do we have uh, in reserve? I think Morgan Fox, who you mentioned, was a good one. He is disruptive. He's one of those under the radar disruptive, so, but he's very disruptive. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so let's knock out some of these listener questions before we get out of here. Uh, the first one here, and you, you, you know we got to talk about it. It always comes up every single week. Aaron Donald, <clears throat> the question is from Alex Malardi. Do you think the horrible way that Aaron Donald Ooh. situation is being, <laughs> being handled, um, handled uh, will be enough to get them off fired? Oh, man. I feel like there's oh, – I feel like them off is impossible to be fired. Does anyone else no. He's like he's like Stan Kroenke's minion. Yeah, <laughs> he's all his dirty work. Who's gonna get Who's gonna get rid of their own personal minion that's gonna do everything yeah. you don't feel like doing? <laughs> I know? think you need to. I think in that question, you need to replace Demoff with Sneed. There you go. <laughs> I think that's. I think Demoff's not going anywhere. Him and Kroenke's. Here, here's right, the, yeah. He's no, right. You, you were about to say. Go ahead. Yeah, exactly. Here's Kroenke's the thing. Gonna, yeah, he's gonna ride with Demoff <laughs> to the end. Sorry to cut you off the, again. The, <laughs> no, you got it. You're right. It's, and, and it's not even that he's going to ride with them off till the end. That's what he got hired to do. People, exactly. people still think that Stan Kroenke cares enough about the details. <laughs> that, that Stan Kroenke, this isn't like a normal NFL owner, man. No, Stan Kroenke no. owns Arsenal in the English Premier League. He owns the Denver Nuggets, the Colorado Avalanche, the Colorado Rapids. He owns the Pepsi Center in Denver. He's overseeing a $2.6 billion construction project in L.A. You think he gives a shit about the contract dealings of one player on one of his teams? Why does he care about Aaron Donald more than he cares about Alexis Sanchez for Arsenal? Or, I don't know, a single player on the Colorado Rapids, but pick their best player. Why, does Stan, why would Stan Kroenke care? He's spending $2.5 billion on a stadium. The reason Kevin Demoff isn't getting fired is because Sam Kroenke needs him to deal with all this shit. He don't care, man. You know, the the Rams to Stan Kroenke, they're just part of his diversified portfolio. It's part of a portfolio. They are a stock. Y'all got me two octaves above North. Stan Kroenke? (laughs) 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 Sound like Stephen A. Smith. I do, I did, I did. (laughs) Hey, it's like I said, that is his own personal little minion. He's not going anywhere. I think you hit it right on the head. It's more likely he's doing his job fine. Exactly, he's doing exactly what he's doing exactly what what uh, Stan Crosby wants him to do. Like you said, it's more likely to be less speed 
than it is to be him. Yeah. Um, although, then again, if Sean McVay can make this offense really go, no matter how this contract situation goes out, Contract extensions all around. around. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let might be sticking around. So it'll be, it, it'll be <laughs> yeah. interesting to see how that goes. Um, next question, which kind of goes perfectly with part of today's segment, uh, comes from Twitter from Matt Roden. You know, he says, uh, what's more likely this season, Jared Goff having a breakout season or Sean Mayen eventually getting the start? Mm-hmm. Wow. Now, that's the, yeah, you, you see the reaction you guys have? <laughs> 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 That's a quality question. Right. You say breakout. <laughs> yeah, breakout. As somebody who <laughs> I was going to say, as somebody who runs the preeminent website for information for Rams fans and thinks about this every day, Austin, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> I will. I mean, depending on what breakout to me imagine, it makes me think he's a great season. It's not kind of the yeah, season we yeah. talked about earlier. I think just from the potential for an injury, I would say Sean Mannion. Uh, or I would, I mean, that's you know, that's kind of a lame answer, but I would sure. if I if I'm a betting man, I'm going to say Sean Mannion in that one. Shout out to Matt. That was a, that was a strong question, man. That's a hard. Yeah, one. It was. You know, when everybody on the call goes, huh? <laughs> At the same time, you know it, you know it made you think. <laughs> All you heard about was Trump. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. That was a good one. You know, I'll, I'll say this really quick, and I'll read the next question. I think that Jigoff has a better opportunity of repeating last season and just being terrible and zero progression. And I've said nonstop, I think he's going to progress. But I think he has a better chance of zero progression than a breakout season. I mean, again, we touched on yeah. it a little bit. Yes, the preseason, but we've seen those little mistakes where he underthrows Tyler Higby. He, I don't know who the hell he was going to on that interception. He holds the ball for too long. We've seen those things, so it's like he still has some ways to go, you know, to uh, play against base coverage defenses. You know, they're not even throwing anything tricky at you. You know, so yeah. it's like uh, there's some ways to go, uh, but I think he's more likely to repeat last season than he is to break out. But uh, I do still think he'll have some type of progression. A great question there. That was a really, really good tra- question. So what is the uh, next question from Garrett Mickelson is, what, is he, what do we think the chances are of True getting traded? Me, I said it's not happening. You guys, hmm. what do you think? Yeah, I, well, I the, the problem – go ahead, Austin. I, I was going to say, I, I don't think it's going to happen. Just, you know, with the franchise tag and it's just – Yeah. He's, he's going to finish out the year and then – what happens from there? He probably won't. Or I think he'll leave after this year. I like Jermaine. I've I liked him when we drafted him. I just think that we toyed around with him twice now, and I think he's going to be ready to leave. But I, I just don't see someone taking on that trade unless the only way I see it happening is if a real good contender loses a top corner and it's an absolute need for them. That sure. could be a good scenario where the trade happens, where the Rams say we can take advantage of this and get a draft pick because we're going to lose him at the end of the season anyway. Austin keeps going to these injuries. He's he's right and it's very smart, but I don't I don't like it. It's very, it's very sneakily intelligent. No, um, knocking on wood the whole yeah. time. Knocking on wood. The whole time. <laughs> um, yeah, the problem with True is that there's no longevity there. I guess I guess the the thing you'd point to is that the Rams just signed Sammy Watkins in a trade, and they they're not signed, but they brought in Sammy Watkins on a trade, and there's no contract extension there uh, to be had. So. I guess it's possible, um, you know, the, 
the part of the problem is that the Rams had an offer. They had an offer from New Orleans for a second round pick. Uh, yeah, they turned it down, and so you got to think that there's something just like what you said about uh, who was it earlier? You you talked about the idea that they want Tavon Austin that they wanted for whatever reason to keep this guy in house. This relationship got to the point that it's at for a reason, and so abandoning it now doesn't really make sense given that we're where we are. No. Yeah. Okay, we're going to get through three more questions here. Let's see if we can knock them out real quick. Uh, this one here I thought was a really, really, really good one. Um, with Watkins and Cup sure to make an impact this year, who do you expect or who do we all expect we'll see more of, Woods or Tavon Austin? This one's from Facebook from Chris mm-hmm. Leader. Hmm. So we know we know we got Watkins and Cup. They're going to make an impact. But then after that, who's next? The easy answer is Robert Woods because Robert Woods is going to play wide receiver. And so you're always going to have snaps. You know, if you're talking about a second uh, outside wide receiver, there's always going to be snaps available. The problem with Tavon Austin is when you get Sean McVay saying there's a, a role for Tavon Austin, I don't know what the hell that means. I don't I don't know if that, <laughs> you know, is he going to be a, a secondary well, slot receiver? Is he a running back? Is he well, is he me, one of these guys that's going to play almost a joker like a tight end? Let me do this. Let me blend the next question with this because I think this one really will help answer this one. The it's going to get worse, is, isn't it? it, 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 it is Tavon going to be offensive coordinator? Is that what's going on? The other yeah. question is from Twitter, and it's from Alex Washburn, and he says, do you think we could see Tavon as the Rams' third down back with Dunbar being out? Yeah. I think that probably makes the question, yeah. as far as Chris's question, who'd have more impact yeah. after Washington. Yeah. Tough, yeah, and that's what makes I, it tough is, is who we're going to see more. Is yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know. And it, it I, goes back to your point where you said, you know, with all these guys, it's impossible in one game to get them all involved. Absolutely, and that's what that's what it comes yeah. down to. So who are you going to see more? I think because Tavon can be used in so many other ways, you'll see more might, Tavon. Right. Be, yeah. You know, you'll see more of Tavon because. It's like you said, you just, it's impossible to get all these guys involved. I do think Tavon's going to be uh, going to be included in the game plan, like you said, um, because he can be used in some I said this, you know, in the first episode back this season, or season nine, that I think Tavon Austin, you know, we can see, um, we're going to see him get used uh, similar to how he has been, but then also you're going to see him used in the slot, give him a little space, yeah. a little wiggle room, snap count I actually will I'll disagree I think Robert Woods will get more because I think in a lot of one wide receiver sets we're going to put him out there because he's been so praised for his run blocking so I think in a lot of one wide receiver sets Robert Woods will be out there I think that overall I think Tavon will have a better a, a bigger impact as far as like touchdowns and big plays go because I mean he's Tavon Austin <laughs> I do see him in that yeah. third down role but I I see a lot of like two and three wide receiver sets where he's not in the field where we have Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, and Sammy Watkins out there. So I think I'll lose some time. I mean, he's going to be for punt returns, of course. Um, yeah. And third down pack. I, I think that makes the most sense to put him there. 
I think overall Robert Woods will get the higher snap count, but Tavon will probably have a bigger impact. I think that's I, the most know, important. That, go ahead, go ahead Mike. No, no, I, gonna, I think that's a good point that you were making about Robert Woods blocking. You know, his blocking ability should help him get on the field. But go ahead. The thing that's amazing to me, and I don't necessarily disagree, is that we're we're already I mean, he hasn't even played a regular season game, and we're already at the point where we assume Cooper Cup is at such a, <laughs> a point in this yeah. offense that yeah. he's yeah. unquestionably yeah. more valuable than not. That to me, that's just why is that Cooper Cup was the seventh wide receiver taken, 69th <laughs> yeah. overall. He has yep. to play a single regular season game, and he's already at a point that we just assume that he's in front of Robert Woods and Tavon Austin over the course of an entire season. That's wild. Hey, how about this? Yeah. Let's let's picture let's picture this being on the field. Can we all imagine just for one second that you have on you have on the field um, all at the same time? Sammy Watkins, you have Todd Gurley, you have Tavon Austin, you have Do it. Tyler Higby, <laughs> you have Do it. Everett. That's a lot of speed. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's hey, a lot that's... of speed on the field at the same time. That's, I'm pretty sure we're gonna see it. You know, where you have Sammy Watkins, Tavon Austin, Todd Gurley, Gerald Everett, and Tyler Higgins. Yeah. And when we see it, if, if that's going to prove how good Sean McVay really is as a play yeah. caller. Because when you can put all them on the field and scare the absolute hell out of the defensive coordinator, and they know something's going to happen, and you go out there and do it, that's when we're all going to be able to say, you know what? He's the real deal. <laughs> you know, all right, so you know, that, I think, I, go ahead. Uh, real quick, real quick. I was going to say, I think we finally have enough weapons and speed that I might consider using them in Madden online. This will be the first time. <laughs> Don't, do Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. I've tried it already. The offensive line sucks. <laughs> <laughs> this is terrible. It's the worst offensive line ever. <laughs> I was going to say, you know, Madden's getting smart enough, Austin, if you did that, especially if it was you, you'd load them all up on offense and immediately Madden would be like, you've just executed a trade for Quarterback Russell Wilson. Hey, oh, everybody! <laughs> hey, let's, let's, let's play football. Guys, you're running too fast. Everybody, slow down. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last question, then we're gonna get out of here. Um, this one is from Facebook. Luke Primary, uh, surprise cut or bold prediction for the 53-man roster? That is a great question. Who do you think will be a surprise cut? These, hey, you guys came with some great questions this week. <laughs> you guys knocked it out of the park. <laughs> surprise cut. Um, man. I'll start first. The, the thing with the 53 surprise cuts a lot of time happen with special teams is where you guys, yeah. whether it's Bradley Marquez a couple seasons ago or the linebackers, what is it, one, two years ago, you guys, you have guys that, that find a role on special teams that John Fossil and his staff really love that don't offer a lot of viability at their position either on offense or defense. That's going to be yeah. where you have surprises. So if I'm looking at the numbers, if I'm just sure, and I posted the snap counts not too long ago, uh, it, you know, I, you yeah. can take you can take a couple guys that are real surprises there. I guess if I'm just throwing, I'm literally throwing darts. I'll take Andy Malumba at linebacker. I don't I don't I don't know why he would make it over anybody else, but clearly, given the work rate that he's had on special teams, there's something about him that they like, and that's the kind of guy that you know. When you get through 47-48 and Sean McVay has his staff huddled around and says, okay, let's hear the case for keeping these guys, John Fossil is going to get to keep one or two. 
And, you know, one of them might be a Sam Rogers or a Corey Harkey or that kind of guy where we all say, okay, yeah, I, I can see him making the roster. The other guy might be just a special teams only contributor, a la Chase Reynolds, Darren yeah. Bates, that kind of a thing. And that might be where we see somebody that, that nobody could have possibly predicted a month ago ends up making the 53. I mean, surprise cut is hard for me with this roster because I mean, we've seen surprise cuts before. Yeah. You know, we, we've seen Akeem Ayers and Joe Lon Dunbar. <laughs> Guys, everybody was like, oh, wow, really? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but, man, this one here is this, – this one's really hard because I think that just overall uh, changes made were made for a reason. They were very key changes made. So it would be hard for me to see certain players leave. Um, if it was anybody – it would probably for as far as cutting goes, it'd probably be uh, Lance Dunbar getting waived uh, with the injury yeah. and everything. Uh, it'd probably be Lance Dunbar getting waived, and then as far as a guy making the team, uh, I would say probably Marquis Christensen. Uh, he's been out there laying the wood. He had like ten tackles in the fourth quarter alone this last game. Sure. I think he's somebody who's going to play a lot in this uh, last preseason game on Thursday and could probably make an impact. He's really been flying down on coverage. Um, on coverage on the punt team. And I say his name for that one reason right there, the punt team. Uh, our key contributor on punt coverage last year was Mike Whit- or Mike Thomas. And that was the right. primary reason for me being so high on him. Outside of scouting him from college, you know, watching him run on punt coverage, if one thing that you can translate from punt coverage to offense is that when you're covering the kick, being able to beat the press coverage, two defenders trying to press coverage, beat press coverage, you stack them and get deep on them. That's what you do when you go deep. And what has Sean McVay been saying nonstop that he's been really good at this offseason? Getting deep and getting downfield. So it translates from punt coverage. Uh, with him being suspended and not being able to do that, I think he's a guy that Bones is going to look at. And this goes back to what Joe was saying about special teams. He's a guy Bones is going to look at like, hey, the preseason, he was doing exactly what Mike does. You know, yep. beating, that, beating that coverage, getting down there, being the first one down there. Special and he's teams, kick off as well. I think Marquis Christensen can be the guy that makes the team. But you got Austin. So, Come on, man. You got to be. I know. You see, here's the easy thing for you, Austin. You can you can say the craziest shit you got in your head right now, and months from now yeah. you won't have to answer it. You won't have any questions. <laughs> yeah, we got to hear about it. You know. <laughs> well, you you kind of took two out of me there, but I'm gonna I'm gonna change real quick here. I think a surprise cut could be. Um, I I would not like to see this really, but I think it could be Mike Thomas. Yeah, um, I could see Josh Reynolds. You know, he has another good sure. game. We feel comfortable about it. Get rid of Mike Thomas. I was originally going to say Lance Dunbar. I think with the injury, you know, and if we move Tavon to running back, that just makes some sense. Right. Um, let's see. Surprise. Well, one thing I'll throw in there while you're thinking about it, and Myson, yeah. this is clearly something we need to discuss next week when we start uh, dealing with the roster and looking towards the season. The practice squad this year is is way more interesting than it has yeah. been in recent years. Last, I don't think I last year I spent a second thinking about the damn practice squad. Didn't care. This year, <laughs> when you talk about Josh Reynolds, Justin Davis, uh, you, you you can go you can go eight ten deep. The practice squad is very 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 interesting this year. No, I yeah. would agree with you, and that's going to be an interesting conversation next week. And it allows you not to have to worry about cutting people. That's the other thing is that it's not just, okay, they didn't make the 53-man roster, but you retain them, 
you can work them in throughout the season. We know injuries are going to come, and just like last year, you're going to get late opportunities. No, you guys talked about Morgan Fox. That's somebody that got some time. Yeah. The practice squad is going to be a real easy way to staff some guys that are going to find the field later on in the year, and they could find some positive opportunities. I wouldn't be surprised if we, I wouldn't be surprised if a year from now, when Austin comes back on Tertial Radio, so that he can answer some <laughs> of these questions. If, if we're looking at this and saying somebody on the practice squad week one, 2017, had a pretty positive impact, and we're looking at him as a core contributor for the 53 man a year from now. Yeah, and you know what? That would be that would be absolutely kind of expected. That's what happens in the NFL. So yeah, I wouldn't sure. be too surprised, but it, it's going to be interesting to see who the name is. Is more more than anything, not so much of it happening, but who's going to be the guy. But yeah, that that does it for us this week. I mean, man, we covered a lot. We got we got to really good. There's one there's one question on the run sheet. There's one question on the run sheet we got to get to. You know, you know what it is because you know I care too much. We've we've dealt with all the football stuff. We got Austin here. There's a question about sandwiches. There's a question about sandwiches. We we put this shit off for an hour and a half. Now wait a second. What is the genesis of this? Where did this question come from? So this question actually was something I thought of myself. You know, I, so you I'm were a, thinking of sandwiches. Okay, so I'm, a huge, what, what, look, I'm, the, I'm a huge sandwich man. I love sandwiches. You know, one of my favorite shows is Martin, and on Martin, you got sure. Brumman from the fifth floor. Brumman? <laughs> Brumman, who, who just breaks into people's apartments and eats sandwiches. And I always say I'm the real-life Brumman. And, and somebody asked me, someone asked me when I was writing up the script, I was just like, you know what? They was like, what's your favorite sandwich? Because I'm always talking about sandwiches. I'm like, yeah, you give me a good sandwich. Because I can cook. I, I love to cook, and I, I cook really well. And someone said, what's, what's your favorite sandwich? And I said, Honestly, you give me a good peanut butter jelly sandwich, it's owned, <laughs> you know. So, so I was like, I was like, what's your favorite sandwich, you know? So, you can tell me your favorite sandwich in the next thirty seconds. Go. What's your favorite sandwich, Austin? I think my favorite's just gonna be a real simple Italian sandwich. You know, you got salami, pepperoni, mm. a little vinegar, probably tomato, onion, lettuce. <laughs> do, do you guys got a quick second for a teaser before the next time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm sitting. I was at the Rams game a couple of years ago. when Josh Brown was the kicker, and I was in Seattle, and I happened to be sitting behind the field goal posts. And you know, I don't have time for the story now, but I was sitting next to Josh Brown's. Sure ex-wife. you do. Take your time, man. Come on, this search already. <laughs> okay, I was sitting down next to Josh Brown's ex-wife. And Josh Brown. No, that's, that's a great way to start a sentence. I was sitting down next to Josh Brown's ex-wife. Okay. So I'm just sitting there, and I'm, you know, kind of listening to the story. And sure enough, I mean, who knows? I don't want to talk bad about somebody. This could be a complete made-up story, so don't quote me on it. But they had <laughs> caught Josh Brown in situations not good to his wife like 10 times, and they were talking about it. So they had all these signs made to make Josh Brown miss the field goal. <laughs> and it comes up, Josh Brown makes the field goal. He runs around, runs through. It was right before halftime, so he's going to run to the thing. And he points right at the family with all the signs <laughs> and gives them a little thumbs up. And these, the ex-wife was just freaking out. They were so mad. And I'm just sitting there thinking, like, wow, these guys have no idea <laughs> that I'm going to know. I'm going to tell this story on Turf Show Times Radio one day. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's gonna hear it. I, I couldn't believe it. You know, you just that personal life from a football player. It was unbelievable. <laughs> that is actually an interesting story. 
That's well, perfect. Well, that's perfect that, potential radio. That is perfect potential radio. If there's a, any place you need to tell it, that's actually here. The only place that probably would have allowed it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's a that's that's gonna do it for us for this week. Um, great show, great show, absolutely, one hundred percent. Wait, wait, hold on, Mason. We got sandwich out, talk. Oh. You didn't, you didn't get it. I want I want sandwich intel, man. Oh. You can't just come from the you can't just come from the fifth hey. row. And talk, look, come on, man. Grub, man is re- re- I'm, look, I'm real life fifth old blow, man. Only difference is when I My, tell you I'm Hey, Myson, what, what you doing, though? I don't throw what are you doing? Fingers. I throw five. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. Just chilling. <laughs> come on, man. Look, just chilling. Just chilling. <laughs> 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 uh, that's me, for real. Like, you, <laughs> you uh, call me and you like, what you doing? So, what is, what, is the, what is the Myson sandwich of choice? <laughs> Other than the PB and J, honestly, give me some honey roasted turkey, turkey, and um, some pepper jack cheese with some with some American okay. cheddar as well. And you Ooh, give me some two cheese, bread. two cheeses. Oh, yeah. That's oh, a man yeah. after I'm, Brandon Bates' heart. <laughs> you got one side of you got one side of me that just don't give a damn. Where it's like PB and J living the savage life. <laughs> then you got the real the real fancy <laughs> uppity side where you give me two cheeses. This the story. Don't let me toast it. Oh shit. <laughs> give me a big big ass bag of chips and a fat cup of water or Gatorade or something. It's over. <laughs> it is over. <laughs> I don't even have so, to throw lettuce on. Lettuce is like just taking it to the next level. Lettuce and tomato and some salt and pepper. <laughs> that takes me to the next level. But I'll just take it with just some cheese and toasted bread and man, it's over. I'm in love. I'm in heaven. You put me in my happy place. Don't I can tell, tell you you're nothing. being very you're being very sincere about yeah. your your affection. Hey, that, that was beautiful. I, I, I love to cook and I can cook pretty much anything you, you ask me to cook. But if you ask me if I want to make this really dope dinner and just demolish it, or if I want this sandwich, I'm probably going to go with this sandwich. <laughs> if the good kids, I'm going with the sandwich. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll take a sandwich any day. It, it touches my soul. We have a special relationship. You were itching to say something, Austin. <laughs> well, I, you know, I didn't want to start another big argument, but is a hot dog a sandwich? Hell no. <laughs> hey, I say hell no to that also, but I'm always curious. Look, I will say this. Um, one thing that I used to eat as a kid, I used to love it, was a fried bologna sandwich with grit jelly and some smashed up Whoa. hot chips on there. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> Are those the only oh, yeah. three ingredients? Are those the only three ingredients you had in your house? That's all you, you need. That's all you need. Every <laughs> once in a while, I throw a little mustard on the other side because you don't want the mustard. Whoa! So wait, 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 wait. Now, hold on. on fried bologna. Side. You got fried bologna, grape hey, jelly, chips, and it. mustard. Don't knock it till you try it. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's so good. That's from. But not any chips. What's old dude from the Popeye? Oh. The, they gotta be hot chips. You know, here in St. Louis, we have this chip. It's a, it's a St. Louis style chip called Red Hot Ripplets. That was my chip of choice for this particular okay. sandwich. But you can use any hot chip. <laughs> any hot chip will work. <laughs> oh, I can't man. be giving away all this free intel. Next time I'm charging people, man. That's not free intel. That's that's a challenge. That's a that's a how drunk and courageous are you to make a fried bologna, grape jelly, hot chip, mustard. 
saying that's that's impressive. Hey. Here, here's what here's what I'll give y'all for some intel. So here's part of the problem. I grew up in the South, right? From Texas, family from Louisiana. Number one sandwich is a fried oyster po' boy, whatever. That's I yeah. can't avoid that. That's in my DNA. <laughs> my my problem is I grew up liking roast beef and mayo on Wonder Bread. Now here's the problem. Okay. I'm not talking. I'm not. Talk, I'm not talking about like. I'm not talking about like actual good roast beef. I'm talking about that roast beef that got that weird oil sheen on it, where you don't even want to eat it because if you just rotate the roast beef, you get all those good colors, right? <laughs> That's number one. Number two is when you mix it with the mayo, the roast beef starts to break down. So it's not like meat anymore. It starts to turn into like a roast beef mayo paste. And then you got a Wonder Bread. Wonder Bread ain't really bread. It's just a holder. Yeah. So the bread starts to soak down, and you get this mush. And when you cut it into squares, you can crush it with your palm, and then you get a little, like, petty for it. You get a little snack sandwich, like a tea party. It's very, you know, mm. What are you having? Oh, your fried bologna and grape jelly, hot chip and mustard. Ah, uh, yes, I'm having my hey, oil-soaked don't knock it roast beef. That's all I'm saying. Now, here's here's uh, what I'll give y'all on the way out. Uh, don't knock it till you try it. My mother uh, is from rural Louisiana. She grew up with less than no money. We talk about, <laughs> y'all talk about 1950s Louisiana. Imagine okay. a place where money doesn't exist. Uh, my mom used to eat sardine sandwiches, but she would take sardines out the can and wipe them in Miracle Whip and then roll them up in a single slice of bread. Oh, wow. I have never, se- I have never seen another human on earth. Do- this is- now, granted, I get it. Wow. Everybody on earth uh, develops their palate growing up, and based on your economic conditions, it uh, can affect who you are when you grow up. This is a woman that didn't have to do this, right? She's 45, 50 years old in 1990. <laughs> she can afford, what was it, honey, honey roasted turkey. She can afford honey roasted turkey, and yet she's out there buying tins of sardines to wipe through uh, oil-based mayonnaise-similar <laughs> confections. Um, I, I would love for Tertio Times readers to, to send us their pictures of their mayonnaise sardines roll-ups uh, that we, I would be happy to feature. Why the hell was she rolling it? And I will tell you this. This is not like a – This I need to do this. I'm going back to Dallas in a couple of weeks. I need to do this. This is not a historical story. This is like a real-time story. This is shit that still has. This is 2017. She's got Boar's Head available and fine meats and cheese purveyors, and she's still wiping sardines and mayo. I, I need to make this happen. Myson, make sure when I get down to Texas, man, that I get pictures of this oh, so we can get on the site, man, because this is real. I will real. definitely make sure this happens. <laughs> I will definitely be on top of it. <laughs> oh, man, Mama, what you eating? Nothing. <laughs> Just chilling. <laughs> if, you, uh, if you're listening and you don't know who Brumman is, I suggest you go to YouTube and type in Martin Brumman from the Fifth Floor. <laughs> and I promise you, it's the greatest character ever created for TV. <laughs> from the from, remember though, from the Fifth Floor, but how many fingers do you hold up? 
Just four. That's what I said. Just four. I feel like Grumpy, and the only difference is I never hold up four fingers. I'm going to hold up all five because I can count. <laughs> so when he says from the fifth blow and he throws up four fingers, then you know you got the right right video that you looked up. So if you've never heard of Grumpy, go look him up. I promise you will not be disappointed. <laughs> Just uh, All right. So that, that's going to do it for us. Joe, we, we good? You good? You got, you got enough sandwich talk? I'm good. Hey, anytime yeah. we get sandwich, that was the thing. We did we did all this football talk. I wasn't comfortable <laughs> ending like that. You got to get some. Hey. You got to get some sardines. You got to get some brown man. That was a good way to. Hey, go, we started with beer. We ended with sandwiches. That sounds like a good night. <laughs> sounds perfect. <laughs> all right, so we got to get out of here. Um, again, you can find me on uh, Twitter at Mighty or Mycin. Uh, you can find Joe at three K underscore Austin. You want to give him your Twitter handle? Yeah, you can find me at Austin Dat Guy D A T. Cause hey, cause I'm Brumman and he that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Meant to be. And, and of course, you know, of course, make sure you're following Turf Show Times. If you have any questions, make sure that you hit us up on Twitter um, or you hit us up on Facebook as well. You know, you guys threw some great questions. Definitely was a good show. We appreciate it, and we out. Hey. Starting us off, the Rams get down so nobody scores. And don't you worry, cause the Rams are rapping. When game time comes, we'll be back to that. We can't sing and our dance is not pretty, but we'll do our best for the team and the city. So get on your feet and clap your hands. Let's ram it right now with LA Rams. Hollywood Hanson, Dodge City Tough. If you throw it my way, it's gonna get rough. I like to ram it, as you can see. Nobody likes ramming any more than me. They call me Zeta, nobody dresses Twitter. But under this cool is a quarterback mistreater. I come from the end, looking for the sack. I don't stop coming till I put them on the back. Limousine with it, my moves are like dreams. They call me the demon on special team. I know how to rock from the toes to the head. When I pull the trigger, I'll knock you dead. I'm a mountain man from West VA. They call me Herc and I came to play. I learned long ago to ram it just right. You can ram it all day and ram it all night.
getting here, I'm a pumping eyed man. If Eric can't get it, I will and I can. I'm strong as it come, but I've got a brain. And stopping me is like stopping a train. I'm Carl Lee, the general of the D. I make the calls, I'm the coaching LB. This motorcycle, this has got style and class. If you come my way, I'll knock you on your ass. Okay, it's your name's intimidated. I pass my way, I'll see you later. Quick on my team, the ladies agree. Before they know it, they'll ram it with me. The ice man coming, the royal is the name. I cover the corner, intercepting my game. Score more than anybody else on the D, cause I move like a cat as you will see. The guys call me Dickens that are Dickens, son. I lead the Rangers, I'm the Ram Top Gun. They say I'm as smooth as a runner can be, even sweetness than the others are talking about me. I like to dance and have a lot of fun when it comes to ladies who want to bring anyone. But enough about me, we hit a ram it, you see. If you ram it just right, you can ram it all night. outside. Time to go bowling. Stay cool at Bolero. With air-conditioned lanes, ice-cold beer, and a striking selection of signature cocktails. Roll in, chill out, and have fun. Visit Bolero.com for hours and weekly specials. Hi, I'm Karis Fisher. I want to tell you about another podcast you should check out. It's called Recode Decode. Every week, I talk to tech and media's key players about how they're changing our world. I interview tech executives like Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg, political figures like Hillary Clinton, and media personalities like John Carreyou, who literally wrote the book on Theranos. Once again, the name of the show is Recode Decode, hosted by me, Kara Swisher. You can find it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. See you there.